Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to our Good Friday service online here at The Bridge. We are so, so thankful that you and your family, wherever you're at this evening, are joining us. Thank you for allowing us to be in your homes tonight. We're excited for everything that this occasion means as we celebrate the weight of the cross tonight and the price that Jesus paid for our redemption. And like we've been saying, we're going to do that a few different ways. We're going to do it through worship. We're going to do it through scripture reading and also through a brief message. And then later on in our service, we're also going to be partaking of communion. We'll tell you when we're going to do that, but we are very excited to do this with you tonight. So before we start, why don't we take a moment and pray together and invite God's presence into our homes. Would you join me? Father, we thank you so much for the cross. We thank you that you sent Jesus for us. We thank you that he made it all the way to the cross, died and paid the price that we could not pay ourselves. So tonight we take time to remember that sacrifice, to remember the weight and the meaning of the cross and everything that Jesus went through for our redemption. We thank you tonight. We humble ourselves and we look at you with gratitude and say thank you so much for sending Jesus for us. Amen. Isaiah 53. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken, and they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days." And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, And he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Christ, our promise. Because of you. 
Mark 15, verses 22 through 39. And they brought him to the place Golgotha, which is translated place of a skull. Then they gave him wine mingled with myrrh to drink, but he did not take it. And when they crucified him, they divided his garments, casting lots for them to determine what every man should take. Now it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And the inscription of his accusation was written above, the king of the Jews. With him, they also crucified two robbers, one on his right and the other on his left. So the scripture was fulfilled, which says, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, aha, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also, mocking among themselves with the scribes, said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. Even those who were crucified with him reviled him. Now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabathani, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood by when they heard that said, look, he is calling for Elijah. 
Then someone ran and filled a sponge full of sour wine, put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink, saying, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come take him down. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that he had cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, truly this man was the son of God. Christ our King.
Romans 5, verses 6 through 11. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Christ, our Savior.
thanks for joining us this evening for our Good Friday service as we reflect upon the cross upon which Jesus died. We appreciate you joining us online. You know, for us, we call this Good Friday, but for Jesus, it was really a pretty horrific Friday. So for the next few minutes, we ask you to reflect with us and consider the weight of the cross. But in order for us to really understand the weight of the cross, first, we need to look at Jesus' path to the cross, Roman crucifixion. You know, death by crucifixion in those days was truly a process. It was a slow, painful, torturous death that Jesus endured. And really his pathway began the night before in the Garden of Gethsemane where he had gathered with some of his disciples for a time of prayer, knowing what he was about to do, realizing he was about to go to the cross and die for the sins of mankind, the weight of all of that, the emotional weight, the physical weight, it landed upon him. And scripture said he began to pray began to seek the Father's face, saying, Father, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Scripture tells us that the weight of that moment was so great upon him, the pressure of that moment was so traumatic that actually blood began to ooze through the pores on his forehead and drip down and fall to the ground. A few minutes later, he willingly went with a mob of people And then all night long, he was up from place to place, from one leader's house to another leader's house, as they tried to find a basis by which they could kill him. All night long, he was involved in mock trials until early the next morning, where it all ended at Pilate's hall, where Pilate washed his hands and said, I don't want his blood on me. You do what you want to do. And the mob cried out, crucify him crucify him put him to death so after being up all night long after carrying the stress and the weight of knowing what was coming next he entered into the actual crucifixion act you see they took him and they stretched him out and they stripped him of his clothes and a roman soldier took a whip that was known as a cat of nine tails It was actually a whip that was made of leather and they had nine leather straps and on each strap there were metal objects that were sharp. There was pieces of glass. There were rocks that were razor sharp and they would take those straps and that cat of nine tails and they would whip the back of a victim. And 39 times that Roman soldier put that whip on the back of Jesus and it would wrap around and then he would rip it away and the flesh and the muscle was ripped away from the bone. It was common in those days for people to die at the point of being beaten with that cat of nine tails. But Jesus took that beating upon his back and upon his sides. Then they raised him up in that tired, weary beaten condition those soldiers took pieces of a bush that had long thorns one to two inches long and they wove together a crown and they put it on his head and mashed it down on top until the blood began to run down his face then they laughed at him they mocked him they called him the king they slapped him they slugged him they spit upon him and then they began to lead him away to the place of his death place called Golgotha, the place of the skull. It's interesting. Scripture tells us that they asked Jesus to carry his cross. That might have been common in those days. We've seen many depictions of a Jesus carrying a cross, but you know, he didn't really carry the full cross. He probably just carried the crossbar, a large wooden crossbar where his hands would be nailed. Some people say, well, what was the actual weight of the cross? How much did that cross bar weigh? We don't know for sure, but it probably weighed at least 50 pounds, maybe 100 pounds. And in that 
beaten, broken condition, this victim Jesus would take that crossbar upon his shoulders and begin the journey to Calvary's hill. Scripture says he went through the city of Jerusalem, he exited the city, and he started the journey up Calvary's hill. We don't know exactly why, but along the way, they compelled a man named Simon to carry that crossbar to the top of the hill, and they led Jesus there where they stretched him out on that cross, and they put nails through his hands or probably his wrists between the bones, and they nailed him to that cross. They put spikes through his feet and nailed his feet to the cross. And then at about 9 o'clock in the morning, they raised him up and they dropped that cross into a hole. And there, the sinless, blameless Son of God hung, suffering, bleeding, and dying. The Bible tells us that Jesus hung on that cross for probably six hours in agony, suffering. For our sins. What was the real weight of the cross? We don't know the actual weight of the wooden cross, but what was the weight that Jesus carried that day? Colossians chapter number two gives us a little bit of a glimpse into what happened as Paul wrote these words in verses 13 and 14. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God has made alive together with Christ, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross." You see, the real weight that Jesus carried that day was not the weight, the physical weight of the cross. It was the weight of our sin. That's the real weight Jesus carried that day. It was the weight of our sin. It was the weight of everything that had separated us from God. Everything that had brought suffering and pain into our lives. Jesus carried that sin and that guilt, the weight of our failures, our mistakes, our transgression, our sins. We read from Isaiah a few minutes ago. Let me just give you a little glimpse of what Isaiah said. It says that Jesus took our pain. He bore our suffering. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds, we are healed. Finally, the prophet summed it up by saying, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity or the weight of us all. God put our weight, our sin, our transgressions on Jesus on the cross. The Bible tells us that As Jesus hung on the cross for those six hours, some interesting, amazing things took place. On the cross, he was forsaken by God. He was judged. He was abandoned for our sins. Scripture tells us that as Jesus hung there in that tired, weary, beaten, broken condition, his blood slowly draining away, his life slowly leaving, in that condition... Suddenly, God thrust all of the weight of our sins and our failures upon Jesus. As Jesus looked up to the Father for strength, the Father turned his head away. Because when God looks upon sin, he does one of two things. He judges it or he shows mercy. In order to show mercy to you and me for our failures, he put our punishment upon Jesus. As the father looked upon his son and turned his head away, Jesus looked up and cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Not only that, a little bit later as Jesus hung upon that cross, forsaken, carrying the weight of our sins, when it was all complete, he cried out with a loud voice, 
it is finished. He took his last breath and he died. The scripture tells us that something else happened. Back in the temple, not too far away, there was a large curtain that separated God and man. Only the high priest of Israel could go behind that curtain on specific days and specific times for a specific purpose. But that day, that curtain that separated God and man, suddenly when Jesus bowed his head and said, it's finished, the curtain ripped. It was big, it was strong, it was heavy, it was thick, but it ripped from top to bottom and totally opened up where God and man could now be united. Notice it ripped from the top down. God said, it's complete, that's enough. I accept the sacrifice. And he ripped it away so that we could now come into the presence of God and become the sons of God. It's also interesting that a little bit later, after Jesus had bowed his head and said it's finished and died, it was getting late in the day and the Roman soldiers, as they always did, they went from victim to victim hanging on or going to the crosses. The victims that were hanging there, one thief on each side of Jesus, they went to break their legs because the victims would push up, take their breaths, and then sink back down under the weight of that cross. They broke their legs so they could no longer breathe and they would suffocate. When they came to Jesus, they found he was already dead. And one of the soldiers took his lance, his spear, and he ran it up under the ribs of Jesus, up into his side. When he pulled out that sword, Scripture says that blood and water ran down the side of Jesus. Many medical professionals have told us that the blood and the water mixed signifies that Jesus died of a ruptured heart. He died under the weight that he carried there, the weight of our sins. You know, the intent of a Good Friday service is really a personal moment. It's to give us time to consider what Jesus did on the cross for us, for me. Make it personal this evening, if you would, please. John chapter 3, verse 16, and John 10, 10, I believe, really carries the message of the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but could have eternal life. John 10, 10, Jesus said, the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life, that you might have it abundantly. Life now, life throughout eternity. You see, Jesus carried the weight of the cross. He carried that weight for the woman who was taken in adultery. He carried that weight for Zacchaeus, that despised tax collector. He carried that weight for the woman at the well who was indeed looking for love in all the wrong places. He carried that weight for the hateful Pharisees. He carried that weight for Peter and James and John. He carried that weight for Barabbas, for whom he had been exchanged a few hours earlier, a hateful murderer. Jesus carried that weight for the thieves hanging on either side of him as he hung on the cross. But Jesus carried that weight for you. He carried it for me. It was my weight he carried. His body was broken. His blood was shed for me. So what do I do with the weight of the cross? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. Paul wrote these words. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. 
For those of us who would put our faith in Jesus, it's the power of God to deliver us from a life of sin, a life of death, and transport us into real life, eternal life. That's the power of the cross. It's the cross that brings God's healing, body, soul, and spirit into our lives. It's the cross that helps us find a whole new way of life. Today we consider the cross and the weight of what Jesus did for us on that cross. And in just a moment, we're going to partake of communion together. But before we do, I, w- I want to pray. And I want to encourage you to wrap your heart around this prayer with me. Thanking God for Jesus and for what he did for us on the cross. You know, you might even be watching this evening. And maybe you've never really wrapped your heart around the cross. But have you sat there listening to this? You realized he died for me. Yes, he did. He carried all of your guilt and all of your weight to the cross. And it's been nailed there. But all that Jesus did on the cross means nothing. Unless we embrace it and accept it for ourselves. I want to thank God for the cross. And I want you to join me. Wrapping your heart, your faith. Around these words in this prayer. Father, I thank you so much. For what you've done for all of us at the cross. I thank you that you sent your son. And he was willing to suffer so much. To carry our guilt, our shame. Our sins. Pay for it all on the cross. I thank you for that today. Now, Father, as we look to the cross, we put our faith in Jesus. We believe Jesus is the Son of God who died for our sins, was raised from the dead, and then ascended back to you, his Father. And because of his death, the door is open that all of us who would put our faith in you, all of us who would believe that Jesus did that for us, we could have our sins forgiven. We can come into relationship with you as the sons of God, the daughters of God, the children of God. Thank you for loving us and receiving us. We praise you now. Thank you for the cross. I'm going to ask Ann to come and join me because we want to have communion with you, our church family. Maybe right now you're getting your emblems and distributing them to those who are with you. Maybe you've got your family there. Maybe you're all alone, a a single parent. Maybe you've got your children, and maybe they're old enough to understand what we're doing. We're going to partake of the Lord's Supper together. The night that Jesus was betrayed, he'd had a meal with his disciples. And Jesus took bread. He thanked God for it. And then he broke it. And he said, this is my body. It's broken for you. Take, eat it. Let's partake of the bread together. In the same manner, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood that's shed for you blood that signs a brand new agreement, contract, covenant with God. Jesus said, take a drink. Let's partake of the cup together. Now let's just take a moment. Let's reflect on the way to the cross our own hearts, let's thank God together.
pequeno. 